previously on But It Was Aliens. Right, Daniel is a demon. <laughs> You're a demon, Daniel! They need to draw a salt line around him, sprinkle some holy water on him, get a spatula and tap him on the head with it, and call in a priest. And started spewing out incredible numbers. Oh, thank God. These numbers were binary sequences, but says it's not that they 100% believed what has happened, but believed that he believed what was happening. Yeah, see, that's pretty good parent. And if you believe that they believe, then you're open to believing yourself, but not making any judgments. And you're willing to look at other options as well, because this child could be very unwell for all we know, or it could be like uh, an imaginary friend gone completely wrong. Nope. That's more of a demonic kind of thing. Bring you back your loved ones, get you to agree to give them your soul, do your bidding. Some more Daniel type of thing. Yeah, Daniel Sam. Ah, I told you I was on to Daniel. I know what he's up to. Where's Daniel in all of this? Just being Daniel. Welcome back, Probers. Howdy, howdy. Let's not hang about. Let's dive back into this probe. What about if someone didn't listen last week? Then go, <laughs> back, and <laughs> <laughs> go back and listen to part one. God damn it. Stop here. Stop right here. Go and listen to part one and then come back. Can I get a rewind? So just below, I have a picture of of their house deep in the countryside remind me what were everyone's names again i can remember jason daniel the children and Anne, the mum yep that's it so far oh paul husband paul paul good old paul okay this looks like your typical possessed house a so that's the front of the house from the side view yeah it looks it's quite rural greenery everywhere looks like it's on the edge of a Big field, can't even see a road leading up to the house. Yep, so if you'd like to scroll down. That's definitely possessed. That looks like um, the house from The Conjuring. Can't remember. Which swinging the tree in the back garden. Okay. Our home is hidden in the trees, surrounded by hundreds of acres of fields. Crop circles? <laughs> Let's see, shall we? In that house, are there glasses of water everywhere? I've not been in the house, so I couldn't tell you. Okay, is like they're a little girl perhaps leaving glasses of water everywhere. <laughs> I've not been in the house, I couldn't tell you. And there's but crop maybe. cycles in the fields outside. Is Mel Gibson in this one? <laughs> no. Now this is their home, and the reason we're starting here is because Anne believes that their house is protected in some way. In a way that she can't explain. And for reasons she can't explain either. Well, that sounds like a bit of a silly statement. One day, in the field across from their home, a fire started. Twisted fire started. Now the wheat was dry that day, and the fire was able to spread quickly. And spread it did. I already know. <laughs> it's going to spread the whole place, but not touch the house, isn't it? Because the house is bloody protected. <laughs> the fire service was called to tackle this blaze. 
that was now six foot high and coming towards the house. <laughs> the smoke was thick, you could barely see through it. Yeah. A firefighter came to the house and warned them that they may need to get ready to evacuate. Mm-hmm. And went in the house and told the boys, come on, we've got to get the animals out and make sure the birds can get out. Jason turned to her and said, no you don't. The fire won't touch us. We're protected. And then they passed away in a fire. Dark. <laughs> and said, don't be so ridiculous. Calls him a lazy so-and-so and goes out to let the horses out. By that time, a few more fire engines had arrived. Two of the fire engines had parked behind the fire, fighting it from behind. Now, when the fire got to the edge of the lane, it had split. It stopped by the lane and started to burn the fields beside the house. So you had the fire in the fields. Now the fire in front of the house started burning backwards. Demons. The firefighters had to rush to get their fire engines out of the way or risk losing them. Demons. (laughs) Once they got the fire under control and put it out, a bunch of the firefighters were sitting on the grass and Anne was making them tea and coffee to say thank you. That's how you say thank you, is it, Anne? And she asked a group of them, why did it do that? They shrugged and said, I don't know. Never seen that before. (laughs) Anne asked if it could have been the wind change, to which they said, if it was the wind change, the whole fire would have moved. Then they started joking about the house being charmed. Then Anne just left them to it. Let me just correct you there, firemen. That house is not charmed. It's damned. <laughs> Daniel's son is a demon. And he was trying to keep the world out by setting a ring of fire around the house. A demon, Daniel's son. But then his mum got out there and got involved and he didn't want to hurt her yet. <laughs> so he calmed it down a little bit. And plus he's quite young still, so his power's waned. <laughs> but he's building up. Soon he's going to be spitting fire out of his ass. Do we have this account verified, or is this just Anne's word? It's just Anne's word. <laughs> it's Anne's honest word. Yeah. Her the- honest, trustworthy word. There was- <laughs> <laughs> Side eye you just gave me. <laughs> there was another occasion where a seagull was flying nearby. Flying they- demon. As they live a mile from the sea. Oh, I hate seagulls. And as it was about to fly over the house, it just dropped down, as if it had flown into something. It wasn't hurt. It was more stunned than anything. Got itself back up and flew off in another direction. When Jason entered his early 20s, he decided to start speaking in public. He's been to America a few times. Did he now, young cult leader? And this man has even been flown out to LA by this guy to help him sleep. Right, before I look at whoever this is, why don't you just get the aliens to take him, huh? Maybe he did. <laughs> Meanwhile, Maybe that's what he meant by fly. Going, going back to that possessed house in The Conjuring, birds were flying into the side of the house as well. Into the side of the house. I'm on to you, Daniel. something before hitting the house. Who knows? Right, so let's have a look who has flown out Jason to L. Oh my gosh, that is Robbie Williams. 
yes. famous British singer and former member of Take That, who is into some interesting theories and conspiracy theories, I believe. He's quite into aliens. That he is. Yes. Huge fan of the podcast, Robbie Williams, <laughs> who has never heard of us, but is a huge fan nevertheless. Robbie Williams of Take That Fame, Mr. Angels himself, flew this guy out to help him sleep at night because he was afraid of what's out there. That's interesting. Did it work? No idea. Hmm. Now, the last public speaking event Jason did was Probe in Blackpool. That's what it was called. The name alone means we have to go at some point. <laughs> What's Probe in Blackpool and why haven't we been invited? I think it's just called Probe, but it was in Blackpool. I think we should put some money down and... and probe. <laughs> no, and trademark the term Probe. Ooh. <laughs> Let's do it. We own that shit. Just why, why, why him of all people? Like, why... Robbie Williams is a multi-millionaire. Why didn't he just get some really good sleeping pills or get a hypnotist? Why Jason of the demonic House Danielson? I don't see... How did he even hear of him? I think we find out later. I think I'm... Okay, cool. Just before this conference, I'm assuming a few days, maybe weeks, Anne got a phone call from a neighbour saying that they got her number from the phone book. And <laughs> then stopped... <laughs> oh, sorry. And then started to tell her how they were woken up in the middle of the night by a noise in their garage. Were the kids all right? Her husband went down there with a baseball bat and told her to call the police. What he saw when he got down there wasn't a group of kids. It was me and my monkey. Or your, <laughs> or your typical burglars. But a middle-aged man in a black suit, black tie, and shiny black shoes. Ah, Millennium. Going through their boxes. Their boxes? When confronted by the husband, he simply looked up and said, I want to speak to Anne Andrews. (laughs) Husband said, I don't know anyone by that name. The man in the suit said, are you sure? then continued to go through the boxes, even when the wife came in and said the police had been called. The woman said she didn't know what came over them, but they knew they shouldn't approach him. When he heard the sirens, the gentleman turned to them, smiled, and simply walked past them. What? They found themselves just moving out of the way. They followed him with the plan to take down his registration number, but he crossed the lane and disappeared into the fields, into the darkness. Was he a handsome man? I'm going to assume he was a handsome man in a devilishly black suit. Mm. On the phone, she then asks Anne, why didn't he just look in the phone book like she did? She goes on to say that the police have taken a report and they'll get in touch with you and get back to me this afternoon. So their freedom remained intact. She called back later and said she hadn't heard anything and asked Anne if she had, but she hadn't. So Anne decided to ring them. She rang the police, got transferred through a few different people and finally one officer said, don't worry about that, it's all been sorted. 
Anne asked how, but was told, you don't need to know that. What? She called her neighbour to see if she'd heard anything back, but the neighbour got told the same thing, and they never heard about it again. So how many accounts of this do we actually have, or is this all one person telling the story? It's all one person telling one the story. One person telling the story at the moment. And they've sucked Robbie Williams into it. Wow. That's a true story. That's 100% legit. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I don't doubt it. I suppose... <sighs> I can't believe I'm about to say this. <laughs> but hearing it written down on paper is perhaps less convincing than hearing it from the person. Yeah. And it might be a lot more convincing and even lead some people to believe that it's real. Because it is. Yep. 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 That's a weird side note about the the man in the suit, though, isn't it? Yeah. I can't say that would be my first response if there was a, a man in a suit in my house. Which one? Taking a baseball bat down there, or...? I'm throwing things at him from a distance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get out of my house, sir! Start throwing knives. <laughs> but then I suppose if you miss, he's got something to throw back at you. If you throw a knife, does it then become a throwing knife? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is this logged in police records? You could put a FOI request in and find out. Has anyone done that? I haven't done that. I did not know you could do that. Freedom of information, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I didn't know. Oh, maybe we should. Someone maybe. should. <laughs> if anyone wants to. I'm tempted to. I'll tell you that. <laughs> A few days later, they'd gone out to do some shopping to find that when they got home, their back door was wide open. <laughs> they rushed in <sighs> to find the small dog had been locked in the utility room. And nothing was taken. Okay. But uh. the computer was switched on. She had lots of personal letters from experiences asking for her help, which she was responding to. And everything on the computer had been wiped. Hmm. They called the police. And shortly after, a single officer turned up. He inspected the place and then asked if they had any valuable collections. Shocked, they answered no. The officer then explained that this wasn't a teenager breaking in. This break-in was by a professional. He then asked again if they had anything. Paul, not wanting to say too much, says maybe they got the wrong house. The officer shrugged his shoulders, filled in his report and went on his way. Officers were dismissive again. According to Anne, this is when shit really started to kick off. So you've got a ring of fire surrounding your house and shit ain't kicking off. You've got Robbie Williams calling your son up to <laughs> help him sleep and shit ain't kicking off. <laughs> After Anne and Jason did a talk in Chicago, they were detained by the FBI. They never said anything, just went through their things. Now, here is a picture of Jason from his last conference at Probe. Now, I don't want to rock DJ, but can I just ask a question before we move on? Mm-hmm. Do you think all the emails and whatnot on the computer got a bit too much for Anne, and so she wanted an excuse to not reply to them all? <laughs> <laughs> what? Someone broke in and uh, 
Wipe the computer. Yeah, that's quite unusual, isn't it? To not take a single thing, just wipe the computer and on your way. Very unusual. But let's just have a look at this probe conference that we're going to go to. Okay, so that's quite a blurry image that's been taken as he is moving. I guess someone's about to tell us that you can't catch this man on camera and that presences are around him because it looks like there's a face coming out of his face in this photo. But that's definitely just motion blur. So <laughs> you've got the same hairstyle as him. Allegedly, truthfully, every <laughs> single picture of Jason taken at Probe that year <laughs> no. turned out like this. Piss off. <laughs> and people were telling Anne that they could see things moving around him. I'll go take a photo of this fucker right now. Energies shape-shifting. In the run-up to this event, Jason had been getting lots of anonymous phone calls telling him not to say anything. Anne was getting the same herself, but she'd been getting them before this. They drove to Blackpool in Anne's car, which had been MOT'd the day before. I don't know if you have MOTs in America or any other country, but what that is, is your car has to legally get checked once a year to make sure everything works all right and that it's road legal. So before they went to Blackpool, Anne's car had been checked. On their way home, it was pissing down with rain, which worked in their favour because the brakes went. She swerved onto the hard shoulder, tried the brakes again, but nothing. It was an automatic, so she couldn't even slow it down. Those of you that don't know how to drive manual, tut, tut, tut. <laughs> it's more fun driving a manual. Yes. Sometimes I have to drive, or I used to have to drive automatics for work. Oh, I used to hate them. So unresponsive. All the fun's taken away from you. I mean, why would you want to drive an automatic? Unless you have a disability or something. Where you're yeah, yeah, absolutely. For fun. those reasons, I would never... But if it's just a case of... You, laziness. Yeah, and you don't want to learn how to drive. Like, learn how to drive. Driving's so much more fun when you drive manual. So they called the AA. The technician confirmed that they had no brakes. So they got the car recovered. And Paul was angry, thinking that the garage had missed something on the MOT. Yeah, I bet. The garage was extremely apologetic, offered to take the car and go over it. And they couldn't apologise enough. Well, a little while later, Anne and Paul got a phone call from the garage saying that they've not done anything whatsoever to the car, but that the brakes are working fine. <laughs> Do we have the garage inspection notes? No. Because you always get slips, detail and the issues with cars and whatnot. And if they're trying to convince people of this, they should really be producing that evidence. But I'm going to put that to one side because I'm a firm believer. I'm going to have to go back to that bloody claim about every picture taken of him is blurry. Piss off. <laughs> Utter codswallop. No, I'm not having that. <laughs> Didn't we see a photo of him earlier on with the horse? Yes. He weren't blurry then, was he? Because someone held a camera. It was just the one. Didn't broke. wobble. Not freaking rocket science, is it? A few days later, they were out in their 4x4. They'd been to the supermarket, and on their way home, they had some road work. So that meant delays. 
and slow-moving traffic. Oh, what's the worst? And put her foot on the brake, and nothing. She swerves onto the grass verge. <laughs> she needs to get a different car. <laughs> oh, this was a different car. Yeah, it's 4x4. Four four. I appreciate you said that. but. And eventually it comes to a stop. They call a mechanic out who explains that their brakes have been cut. It wasn't snapped, but cut. They called the police. An officer comes out, has a look and confirms. Then gets on his radio, then tells them, I wouldn't worry about it. It's probably kids. She explained that it's dangerous. To which the officer replied, You left it in the car park. It's maybe kids having a bit of fun. She said it was clear that he wasn't going to do anything about it. Now, another thing that happened is that Jason was run off the road in 2007 and his car spun in the air several times before careering down an embankment and landing on its roof. Oh, no... Allegedly, truthfully, he was driving normally and there was also an off-duty police officer driving behind him who saw the whole thing. Jason said that a car with four guys pulled up beside him, looked over and then pulled the handbrake, which spun the car, causing it to hit Jason's and cause it to flip. They tried to whack him. The police officer pulled over and rushed down expecting to find fatalities but found Jason kicking out the glass of the window to get out and when he got out, he stood up, brushed himself off and there wasn't a mark on him. He's protected like the house. Now, here is a picture of that said car. Jesus! My gosh! That car is ruined. It's utterly marked. It it doesn't barely look like a car anymore. It's all on the wonk. One side is up, the other side is completely down. No screen. It's it's just been utterly destroyed. I can't really describe it any better than that. How the hell has he got out of that alive? My gosh, he's a demon. They're both demons. I'm in. He's invincible. And then we have another picture from a different angle. If the car is fine from this angle. <laughs> oh, wow. So the ceiling's dented in. It must have knocked him on the head. How can he not have a mark on him? Can I join his cult? How do you sign up? I'm going to probe. After such a serious accident, Jason started taking the warning seriously and said that he wouldn't do any more talks because he doesn't want to endanger his family. Anne says that he continues to do his work because she knows he can astral travel. He can travel between dimensions. Uh, Every time. (laughs) Jason has stopped because he doesn't want to endanger his family. But Anne couldn't give a shit, it would seem. <laughs> She's still out there talking to anyone that will listen. Well, in 2013 anyway. Every time I try and put my scepticism to the side and get in, there's just an even more outlandish claim that's completely not backed up by anything. I'm trying, son, I'm trying. <laughs> well, you got a Try harder, damn Astral it. projection. All right, if you can astral project, turn up in front of me right now. Jason. Oh, hey, how you doing? Hi, <laughs> right, Jason. Yeah, yeah, I was just saying that I really believe you, actually. Yeah, yeah. Rewind? No, we don't need to rewind. No. <laughs> uh, that car is absolutely screwed. Mm-hmm. If that's legit that he was in the car at the time and he didn't just have it crushed on the side of the road, he is a very lucky boy. 
So people are trying to whack them, essentially, is what they're saying. I think they just need to get a better mechanic. Two cars where the brakes haven't worked. At some point, you've got to start pointing the finger. Where was the Astral travelling? Not a clue. Piss. Should have Astral travelled out of the car. <laughs> Maybe he did. Maybe he did. <laughs> Maybe that's why he hasn't got a mark on him. This invincible man. Okay. Now, it was Anne and researcher and author, Jean Ritchie, that came to the conclusion that Jason must be an indigo child. So what exactly is an indigo child? I'm so happy you're about to tell me. Indigo children are children that are believed to possess special powers or abilities, such as the ability to travel between dimensions and sometimes even have telepathy. Science gives no credibility to the notion that indigo children exist. Oh, come on, scientists. Give it a chance. It was an idea based on concepts in the 70s. It was started by Nancy Ann Tapp and continued by her student Barbara Bowers and then continued by her student Pamela Osley. Tapp's work was later popularised by husband and wife self-help lecturers Lee Carroll and Jan Tober. Husband and wife Lee Carroll and Jan Tober. They've opted not to take one or the other surname. It's interesting. The next bit is lifted straight from Wikipedia because pretty much it was said perfectly. Thanks in advance, Wikipedia. Retired professor of philosophy and skeptic Robert Todd Carroll notes that many of the comment commentators on the indigo phenomenon are of varying qualifications and expertise. And parents may prefer labelling their child an indigo as an alternative to a diagnosis that implies poor parenting, narcissistic parenting, damage or mental illness. Cut to the bone. This is a belief echoed by academic psychologists. Some mental health experts are concerned that labelling a disruptive child an indigo may delay proper diagnosis and treatment that could help the child or look into the parenting style that may be causing the behaviour. Yep, Wiki has cut to the bone there. Just a quick question. So you said it was um, the married couple, Lee Carroll and Jan Toba. Robert Todd Carroll is of no relation. Or is he? (laughs) Hmm... Have you seen the DNA test? (laughs) Hmm? David Cohen suggests that... David Cohen! (laughs) You bastard. David Cohen suggests that parents at the time would much rather label their children as gifted rather than accept that they have a disorder. Of course they would. Many of the children labelled as indigo children over the years have been found to have been diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. A quote from S. Zore Kamani from the book Pagan Family Values. Despite their problems with authority, uncontrollable tempers and overbearing egos, indigo children are many pagan parents' ideal offspring. Sensitive, psychic and strong-willed. But also notes the concept is less about the child's psychic abilities than the parents' own hopes and desire for distinction from the less evolved masses. That's very interesting. Very, very interesting. I note that they're saying that 
indigo children all have problems with authority, uncontrollable tempers and overbearing egos. So these children need to feel special, potentially, and may lash out at their families if you don't (laughs) believe them. Like this kid throwing something when the lorry driver had said that he'd been abducted and whatnot. Wow, you've just psych-101'd this, haven't you? If you ever wonder what the traits are of an indigo child, and if you have them, here are 13 of them. You can walk through walls. (laughs) Your car's brakes fail. You feel spiritually awakened. And one! You are destined to be here. And two! You have high expectations of yourself and others. And three! You have a strong intuition. Four. You question authority. And five. You want to overturn the man. Six. You are creative. Seven. You are a change maker. Eight. You are a lost soul. Nine. You are headstrong. Ten. You have psychic abilities. Eleven. You are passionate and focused. Twelve. You are frustrated. Thirteen. That was indeed 13 traits. So if you have... (laughs) If you're a lost creative soul who needs to overturn the man... (laughs) Such as... What does that even mean? (laughs) You could well be an indigo child. If you want to overturn the man, you're an indigo child. (laughs) What? Overturn the man how? Flip him. (laughs) Why can't he sleep on his front? So Anne has released books too. In 1998, abducted. The true story of alien abduction in rural England. Worryingly, I swear I've heard of that. Probably have. In 2005, Jason, my indigo child, raising a multi-dimensional star child in a changing world. Star child. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. And in 2007, walking between worlds belonging to none. Hmm. which was made into a documentary which is on YouTube and in audiobook format but they've just taken the audio from the documentary and put it in an audiobook saved money and it's shit <laughs> <laughs> unwatchable shit oh you didn't it's so low budget i wonder if they even had a budget whenever Anne or jason talk there's this weird as shit music over them talking You can barely hear a word they're saying. They made it themselves. It's honestly so bad, I couldn't watch it. Like, and the comments have been deactivated on that channel as well. (laughs) That's always a good sign. But um, what I was going to do is obviously watch that one and put some of the stuff Jason said in it. But Mm -hmm. it's that bad, I couldn't, I just couldn't watch enough of it. It's horrible, it just sounds so tinny and horrible. Uh, Have they got many views? I can't remember looking. I mean, it's probably got like five because I tried. (laughs) They were all you trying. (laughs) So before I summarise this case for you, I have a series of pictures that are intriguing, but I didn't put in earlier. So first off, I have a picture of an alien, which is drawn from Jason's description and Anne's memories. Okay, that's pretty stereotypical grey. Yeah, you know what a grey looks like by now. Big skull, big black eyes, quite a flat nose, tiny mouth. Okay. So, And these are all things that happened around Anne's property 
and they captured photos. This is all proof. <laughs> That's shit. Oh my god. So the photo I'm looking at right now has a caption saying this strange light was taken by a good friend of ours, Christopher Martin. That better not be the singer. If they've got two like really famous celebrities involved <laughs> this appeared in our garden in 2006 hasn't been seen many times since it's literally just a blur like they've waggled a camera whilst taking a photo and you can't make out anything or they've got really close up on something and taken it so you can't make out anything there's literally nothing in this photo okay the next one is accompanied by the caption saying taking through the sorry, taken through the open window by Ellis Taylor when he stayed overnight in Jason's old bedroom. I can't really make out what that is. It looks like someone has either wrapped something over a lens or even potentially... Yeah, yeah, mate. Imagine if you made a little circle of tinsel and put it against a camera with a hole in the middle. You'd get like kind of light shining in the hole and darkness around it with little tinsel strands, but all black and white. Do you know what that looks like to me? Bullshit. They've put the light on an old phone, put the light on, pressed it right up against the, a window and just taken a picture. Yeah, yeah, that would also explain it. Absolutely nothing to see in that one. And then this one has a caption saying, when the lane to the front of our house is photographed, orbs are often captured on camera. So we've got a photo of a standard country road by the looks of it with about a hundred or so little tiny orbs and one big one that kind of sits in the middle of the photo you could get those taking photos anywhere little bits of dust reflecting or potentially even raindrops looks like a fairly wet kind of day really in the photo i see nothing here so far they've watched too much most haunted the next picture more orbs at the back of the house for fuck's sake orbs a figure can be seen to the left appearing to look over the six foot six fence okay i'm in i can see the figure that's a ghost demons this is demons do you know what that reminds me of that figure what the aliens at south park used to hide in the episode yeah yeah the really skinny ones mm. so this is a photo of a pretty shabby back garden looks almost like a marsh doesn't it doesn't look great but there's loads of orbs again and this kind of three-quarter figure of a human type body to the left but it does appear to be taller than the fence could literally be someone standing there with it a could motorbike be, helmet on yeah it could be it could even be a reflection or it could just be a couple of random flashes that are creating an optical illusion it could be something on top of the fence. And when you look at it closely, actually, the closer you get, the less it looks like a person. <laughs> From a distance, it looks very much like a person. Okay. So to summarise, we Demons. have Anne Andrews. Demons. Who gave birth to a son. To a demon. <laughs> who was deemed to be... <laughs> Just uh, a little bit special. To be special by the imaginary alien friend that her older son had named Junus. Junus would take Jason whenever he wanted during the night and they would travel the stars. On his fourth birthday, he, he sat bolt upright during a storm and started spouting binary code and attempted to leave the house in a trance-like state. We hear about some random ghost activity that started happening in the house. Sometimes Jason would be scared, but as he got older, the less scared he became. 
we have some notes from doctors which state what's been mentioned during his psychiatric sessions. After watching a TV, a TV show which mentions missing time and Jason throwing a hissy fit, he tells them what's going on and they half believe him. Anne and Paul start reading up on the extraterrestrial and believe they now have the answer. They get hold of Dodd from the UFO magazine and he becomes a lifeline for them. After admitting to believing her son, Anne starts remembering things from her own past. She also believes abductions run in families. When Jason is 17, 18, Anne starts receiving letters from strangers around the world saying how Jason has helped them and one even asks to see him. After being freaked out by the letters constantly turning up, she goes up to bed and cries before being woken up by a noise downstairs. She comes down to find her recently deceased dog in the front room. She greets the dog and fusses over it before wiping away a tear and looking down to find the dog gone. There's now a figure in a hooded gown in the corner that comes over to her and tells her to get a pen and paper to write something down. She wakes up, comes downstairs in the morning to find knocked over cups from the dead dog and the note she'd written. This gave her the courage to speak to Jason about the letters, which she then thinks is cool. She starts having childhood memories coming back to her, one in particular about her and her dad, and a man taking her to a room full of kids playing. This man is Junus. Junus. This man <laughs> is Junus. Junus. Anne believes that her, their house is protected in some way, as a fire that should have reached their house behaved differently when it got near and went backwards. Firefighters said they couldn't explain it. One thing I didn't mention is that Anne says that allegedly truthfully, the house is built on ley lines. Of course Not it is. Not only is it built on ley lines, but at the crossroads where the ley lines meet. A seagull randomly dropped from the sky, once as if it had flown into something when nothing was there. When Jason was in his early 20s, he started speaking at conferences and conventions and was even flown to LA by one Robbie Williams to help him sleep because essentially, Robbie Williams was scared of the dark. Before Jason's last ever public speaking event and got a call from a neighbor about a break-in they had where a mysterious man dressed in a black suit was asking for Anne. The police were called and nothing came of it. A few days later, Anne's was broken into, and according to the officer that arrived, it looked professional. Anne and Jason were detained by the FBI in Chicago without saying a word and without ever finding out why. We've seen the blurry pic of Jason from Probe, which allegedly, truthfully, every picture of him taken from that event turned out that way. Because the cameraman was shit. In the run-up to Probe, Jason was getting calls telling him to be quiet. Anne drove her car up there and had it MOT'd beforehand, but on the way back, the brakes failed. It went back to the garage, they found nothing was wrong, and a few days later, they took out the 4x4. On the way back from the supermarket, they found their brakes had been cut. Police thought it might have been kids. Then in 2007, Jason was run off the road. His car flipped multiple times, and he walked out without a scratch. Jason decided after that he'd stop talking publicly and would continue his work across the astral plane and interdimensionally and continue to talk from what I know up until 2013. So, Greybeard. Is Jason an indigo child that can travel between dimensions 
and was he constantly abducted by Junus as a child? And was Anne also abducted as a child? Yes. <laughs> no. You just fucking got me then. I was like, what? <laughs> you said yes? I didn't have to, tr- like... Try and, try and trick, trick me. Yeah. This story is freaking mental. I think if this was the first one of this nature we had covered, we'd have probably been blown away. But the fact we've covered so many that have like touched on bits and parts of this one, like all the random contactees, we've kind of gotten used to it. Mm-hmm. But what a load of mental bollocks. <laughs> I want to know if he's still alive today and what he's ended up doing. Jason. Yeah. I think he is. And where is he? No idea. <laughs> oh, he's in the astral plane still. He's done like an Ant-Man and dropped into the quantum realm. <laughs> hiding until a celebrity needs him again. That's bonkers as well. Like the fact that Robbie Williams sought out this chap. I mean, thoroughly interested in it. I'm not knocking Robbie Williams for it at all because he's obviously interested in it. Bonkers. <laughs> Just bonkers to me. The more I think about it, the more I think because he's interested in it, and he has the money yeah, to spend. Yeah. He's like, let me see if this is any... This yeah, is yeah. And I he, think he just wanted to try it. Absolutely. Like I said, I don't knock him for it at all. Like if we were absolutely minted back in the day, we might have pulled a Damsky round. Yeah. Got Kenneth Arnold round for a beer. Seen what they were saying. Got old Nick Pope over to tell us about how he was actually on a desk job, a junior desk job. <laughs> Wasn't the head of a... Yeah department on ufos because it didn't actually exist so so you're saying this is alien no (laughs) there's there's no point yanking your chain at this point (laughs) this story is just bloody bonkers and they don't come across as genuine they're on the ufo circuit it's a at this point it's almost a stereotypical contact d case isn't it these folks belong in the 1950s wow this case sent me through a roller coaster of emotions. Really? Starting with rage. Ah. <laughs> and then the more I listened, the more that rage grew. <laughs> I'm still on that roller coaster, going ever higher, and I don't know if I'll ever come down. <laughs> ever. It's because you watched the documentary. <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to get that tie back. John Fum just became funny. With how ridiculous it became. With uh, the weapons he used. Yeah. And the portals. That's the difference, actually, isn't it? Right. Yeah. This just became more and more infuriating. Mm-hmm. I think there's a possibility that Jason may have had issues growing up. Yeah. And what Anne's done is labelled him special and concocted this whole charade. Let's start from a four-year-old who could barely count to five spouting these incredible numbers. These incredible numbers were binary ones and zeros. For these numbers to be as incredible as she proclaims, she would need to know the meaning of the binary code he said that day. Otherwise, it's just a child simply trying to count and can only say one and zero. He may not even been able to say zero. Just a bunch of ones stuttering to try and say what he wanted to say. The thunder that night was quite possibly just the branches of trees 
knocking against the house in the storm, all of a sudden there's random ghost activity. This activity hadn't happened once before this, so this alien visit to take Jason whilst people were awake compared to the countless times they took him in the middle of the night somehow awoke the ghouls of the house too. I think Anne put this idea into his head <laughs> growing really up going up on one. <laughs> to make him feel special. <laughs> and possibly because he may have had difficulty making friends. His best friend at 17 was a horse. <laughs> hey, horses I, are cool. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but she may have wanted him to feel special rather than down that he wasn't able to make friends. Again, not saying he didn't have friends that weren't horses. So where did these random people get Anne's address from to start sending letters? Who fucking knows? Ghost dog in corporeal form. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. Junus. Steam starting to come out of your ears. Let me get on to Junus. <laughs> We've heard no description of what Junus looks like. Not from Daniel. Not from Jason. But he's gold. Now Anne believes the man that took her from her dad and put her into a room full of children playing was Junus. How? This person was nothing more than a teacher taking her into nursery or year one of a new school. We have no evidence at all about the fire. No pictures. No firefighter statements. Nothing. If it was as miraculous as she said, I would have taken pictures. Robbie Williams claims that Anne reminded him of his mother when they met at a convention in Vegas and his mother was a tarot card breeder. That's how I believe he got conned into this. Oh, bless him. How can they make this sound believable? Hmm? Let's bring in the FBI and a mysterious dark-suited menacing man. I don't believe that happened at all. Complete bullshit. <laughs> Tell us what you really well, think, though. Probably held at customs having something dodgy in their luggage <laughs> or acting shady to purposely get suspected and then tell this story the blurry picture of jason is just a blurry picture of jason nothing more nothing less i'm starting to think only a handful of people turned up at probe to hear him talk and their friend took that picture the run-ins they have with the police that just fobbed them off i don't believe happened <laughs> If they were legit, especially in regards to brakes being cut, I reckon I reckon with the call between the neighbour and the police, it may have happened multiple times and the police are just fed up with it. As they know she's trying to get proof that they were called out as a way of proving it happened. Jason's car being flipped multiple times and getting out completely unscathed and an off-duty police officer being there, but nothing happening to those that did it. It's not an open case, it's not a mystery, and I couldn't find anyone arrested for it. Couldn't even find details of the crash. That's suspicious. And this happened in 2007. 2007. <laughs> the car that looked crushed was an old Mark I Escort. Mark II Escort, actually. An old white one. It's extremely rare to see those cars on the road right now. Ooh. That picture could have just been taken from a car that got crushed at a scrapyard. There's no police report. There's no evidence. Nothing. Bullshit. 
if he did crash, I believe it's more likely to be his own fault, considering the first thing Anne said was, Jason said he was driving just normally. Plus, the only roads you can drive alongside someone on in the UK are dual carriageways and motorways, unless you're driving in the wrong lane. So let's take into account they're on a dual carriageway or a motorway. You'll tend to be driving at speeds of 50 mile an hour or greater. That's 80 kilometers to those outside the UK. If you're both going at that speed and one of you sharply pulls the handbrake, it's going to cause you to spit. It isn't going to cause you to spin and hit the car next to you. That car is going to be in front of you. And before anyone says it turned the steering wheel, he didn't. He simply pulled the handbrake. And considering there were cars behind them, the car that hit him somehow got away. I think Jason stopped because people were either starting to pick holes in what he was saying or they just weren't showing up. But Anne couldn't let go. She carried on with this bullshit. Now this is a quote from someone on the video that I watched for this case. And it says, I love this kind of experiencer because she has nothing to gain from telling her story and adds a lot of credibility. It's well known that this runs in family lines. Excellent. Nothing to gain. She has three books, a documentary and frequents the circuits as a speaker. Utter bullshit, this probe. <laughs> it drew similar comparisons to John Fum, which if you haven't heard, it's episode 10 and 11, The Ballad of John Fum. The more I heard her talk, the angrier I got. You've got right. a proper monologue. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. I'm not sure you are. Indigo kids aren't real. No, I'm not done. <laughs> Jason or Anne, if this shit is actually 100% true, I don't apologise because it sounds like complete <laughs> bullshit. I'd happily accept that I am wrong and would publicly announce how wrong I am but until then, this is bullshit. And Anne, you are not a bitch. I repeat, you are not a bitch. But Ooh. you are going into the hall. Ooh, I was wondering this. <laughs> I hereby induct Anne Andrews into the hall of bitches for this farce of a story. The third inductee. If I'm ever proved wrong on this one, I would happily remove her from it, but I can't see that happening. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, thank you for listening to this double episode of But It Was Aliens. I'm too angry to do our socials. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook group, and Patreon. Remember, the truth is up there, just not in this case. This is bullshit. Hash tag. Probe. Oh. Oh.